Guess who's back? Back again. What the heck? With <laughs> Jono and Beck. <laughs> Season two, Miss Rebecca. I don't want to say your last name, but yeah. Miss Rebecca. With Miss Rebecca. It's like um, Mr. Squiggle. Miss, <laughs> Miss Rebecca. The man on the moon. That's right. Welcome. You, Welcome back, Beck. Thanks. Welcome back to you too. <laughs> Thanks. We've uh, we've had about a month and a bit off. Just thought it was a good time to recharge the batteries. Mhm, mhm. How are your batteries feeling? Uh, um, still in isolation. Mm-hmm. My batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my but, batteries um, are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You've actually had some pretty cool stuff happen to you, probably while we've been off. Have I? As in. <laughs> Your little <laughs> new friend. <laughs> My new little friend. Uh, yes, uh, I'm not sure if you're referring to um, crippling existential despair or my new puppy. <laughs> we'll go with the puppy. Yes, we got a puppy. His name is George. He's a little black Labrador. He is extremely cute uh, and cuddly. And I've turned into one of those people who kisses their dog on their head and stares deep into his eyes and tells him I love him. Uh, you, and replace you're doing everything. everything. You're doing everything that you th- usually throw disgust at at um, pet owners. Correct. Literally everything that I thought I hated, I now do uh, with glee and joy. Um, uh, I, I pick him up and carry him around the house and sing songs to him. Um, <laughs> like is that watch- Luke or George? <laughs> Both of them. I pick. I lift Luke up in my arms and I sing to him. I do sing to Luke, actually, um, but we're watching RuPaul's Drag Race yesterday and there's a song and it doesn't even lend itself to putting George's name in it. It's like, lipstick, lipstick, painted on. And literally I just walked around the house for an hour with George going, Georgie, Georgie, George, George. <laughs> It doesn't work at all, but now um, his name goes into every song. Um, he's really good. Uh, he bites us a lot less now, which is nice. Just this last week he seems to have started to chill out and not want to shred my hands to pieces at every opportunity. You always forget about puppy teeth and how sharp they are. Oh, my God. I had no idea how sharp they would be, and – uh, people on the internet kept calling them vampire teeth. Like the first few weeks we had him, I feel like he wasn't that bad. And I was like, what are they talking about? It's really not that bad. And then it was like week two or three, he was like, guess what? Here I am. I'm here to ruin your life. And like Luke has got like, we had to like get Band-Aids because he kept drawing blood. They're just really sharp. They're like little pins, like really sharp little knives. Um, but I don't know. He's chilling out. They're not so bad. He's not like aggressive. Maybe. He's just a baby, I guess. No, he's just a puppy. Just wants to bite everything. He's just he's got just plenty of love to give, and his mouth is the avenue to give that love. Exactly. My main concern is that he especially right. loves things that are bad for his teeth. For example, metal. He's got a tin cup that he loves, um, and it's his favorite toy. And I'm like, you're not allowed to have that because it could like really damage your teeth. But um, if he won't ever calm down, we just give him the tin cup for like 10 minutes because I've never seen a dog so happy as when we give him this tin cup. (laughs) 
it's funny that you talk about uh, like songs with the dog's name in it. That's is something that I generally do as well. And um, since we're since in our hiatus, we um, we watched Hamilton here finally. Oh, yeah. um, so all I do like most of the day is just like go around the house singing like various things from Hamilton. I don't know the words very well, but I'm giving it a go. And the song that goes like work, work. Um, I usually just go Bert, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Bert is like so, a really good name for inserting into songs. Yeah, short and sharp. Yeah. Doug's pretty good as well, actually. My Doug cat that I never mentioned on this. You've really got the monopoly on good pet names. Doug and Bert are really good pet names. Uh, Sassy Sasha has got um, Colin is a really good name for a dog as well. We've we've just about rounded up the middle middle aged men's names to uh, use on I our pets. Have. When we went to the vet, he was like, "And what's this guy's name?" We were like, "George," and he was like, "I love a good boring human name on a dog." And I was like, "So do we." Yeah, you're not like calling it like uh, Bella or something. I know it's a male dog, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you could probably name your dog whatever. But I agree. I don't like, like, oh, we have these neighbours. They're not technically our neighbours. It's like, uh, I think I might have talked about this in the podcast before. But they're they're squatters. <laughs> no, there's like, so we live in like a two-story little like townhouse. We look over the next two houses on the block. We can see directly into them. One is a block of apartments with a bunch of shady characters living in them. It seems like 50% of them are just like normal people with like, you know, very normal lives and then 50% of them are um well there's one guy who leaves at all hours of the day and night and washes his car in the middle of the night and we've seen him unloading bikes and scooters and stuff at like 2am by torchlight so don't know what his deal is wouldn't want to make any assumptions but um you know it's interesting and then next dodgy. Door- it's okay I can say it I'm not a neighbor you can say it and then next door to them is like this giant beautiful old home with like a bungalow on their block of land uh, and a giant backyard that takes up, you know, the entire block that we have, you know, 10 houses on. They've just got one house and a bungalow. And they've got these three weird kids that are always in the backyard doing weird stuff. But this tiny, like, teacup Yorkie puppy who yaps all day. Like, from morning till night, he's just in the backyard yapping. Oh, which gosh. I, which I especially don't understand now that we do have a dog. If George barks for like five minutes, I'm like, please, George, stop barking. I'm going to kill us. Oh, my God, please stop, please stop. And these people are happy to just let their dog bark all day. Like he just sits in the backyard and barks at birds. Like he just runs around underneath the trees barking at birds. Anyway, me and my neighbor, who is actually my neighbor, so lives in the house next door to me, both hate this dog. We text about this dog, about how much we hate it. Um, and she has a dog herself and they met this family in the park and the dog's name is Moriarty <laughs> like from Sherlock Holmes yeah and she was like of course the dog's name is Mor- Moriarty like shut up get lost like what even like, named your dog shut up what's the short form of that Mori, Mori like... I guess but they don't like you hear them they're like Moriarty Moriarty oh stop barking Moriarty and you're like oh my goodness kill me it's the worst I hate them. Oh. Anyway, you can cut all that, Sasha. That was all very boring. <laughs> the usual cutaway. Hey. Cut, cut, cut. The people long have missed it, Beck. The, the people have missed me being like, yeah, long um, story short. I, 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 
I, I said to you before we jumped on that, uh, you know, like I like to share some cool stories in our intro and it's obviously hard right now to find cool stuff happening in the world given a lot of people aren't allowed to leave their houses. But I came across um, a cool article which I shared with you. Yes, um, I'm it up now. It's more, I like the video of the time lapse of this thing, but um, the story is uh, the largest 3D printed home ever made in Europe, a, st- a two-story affair with two living rooms, a kitchen, bathroom, and a foyer, has recently been completed by a Belgian company in three weeks. I basically built the framework of a house using a 3D printer in three weeks. I'm looking at it now. Is it squirting out concrete? Um, yeah, I'm just reading the article. It looks like icing a cake. It's like this yeah. big one that's squirting out this liquid that I'm assuming is concrete and it's making the structure of the building, but it kind of just looks like uh, cake icing. Using a special cement mixture ejected from the printer's nozzle. Oh, that sounds naughty. <laughs> the on-site work and it took three weeks and construction workers then had to add the roof so they still had to obviously do the foundation a roof floor windows doors plumbing etc by hand but the, the framework of the building was done by 3d so printer cool. doesn't look very big though does it no but i mean for a house that was built by a 3d printer in three weeks it's bigger Maybe. than like I don't know, those crappy little one-bedroom apartments. I like how the main part of the article here, oh, it's a 980-square-foot home. That's pretty how big decent. is that? Um, I think my house is about 400 to 500. Oh, okay. So I say it's small, but it's much bigger than my house. <laughs> and I live in a mansion, so... Mm-hmm a mansion a palatial mansion it's weird that this article though talks about them doing it in three weeks in uh europe and then it mentions at the bottom in the united arab emirate they built one uh it's smaller okay in two weeks so it's just I mean, um amazing the things that are happening in the world you know it gives you hope i didn't really get like 3d printing it's like one of those things that you know, you hear talked about a lot and you're like, what do you mean by 3D printing? But I guess it's just a little machine that, you know, like starts at the ground and moves its way up and spits out whatever material you want it to. And I think that's the thing. Like when they say printing, it makes you think of, I guess. Like paper print. Paper print. and it, But then I guess that's squirting out ink onto a page. Because I was going to say, you know, when they say 3D printing, what it really is is like a big water gun squirting out whatever design you want but i guess that computer printers are the same it's just that they're printing out ink which isn't it's very thin and it goes on paper but if you replace that with concrete i guess yeah it does become 3d hey look we're answering the big science questions (laughs) yeah that's not right maybe we'll we'll have to deep dive on 3d printing (laughs) yes Today, we're not talking about 3D printing. What are we talking about today? I don't even know. Well, 3D printing is much too scientific for us to explain. So I have, uh, I'm sharing with you, I guess, an extension of where we left off last season. We were quite heavy on the conspiracy theories towards the end of last season. 
Um, this is essentially an extension of it. But I wanted to talk to you today about urban legends. Ooh, like sleepover stories. <laughs> wow. When I get into a few of them, you'll, uh, there's definitely a few in here that I reckon a lot of us would have heard over time. So um, I- let's have a quick break, I reckon, and then we'll jump into them. Love it. Do you like to cook but don't like to chop your veggies? Your arm's hurting from pushing the knife down so often? Well, the solution is here, and it's called Slap Chop. This multi-blade capsule chopper will chop all of your cooking problems away. Put all your veggies in, and boom, one slap, salad! It's only six equal payments of $14.97 plus shipping. So order your Slap Chop today to chop all your troubles away. Alright, we're back. Beck, how good was that ad from one of our new sponsors? I I loved it. I loved it. I love our sponsors so much. Just one of the things we're bringing this new season of WTH. Um, that's how I'm referring with to ads. the pod moving forward, just so you know. Bigger than ever with ads, with sponsors, with jingles. We're, we're blowing yeah. up. We've even been adding some cool stuff to our Instagram page, so make sure you follow us. Yes, it's been really good. You're doing a great job. And I've been doing a great job on Twitter, tweeting things like, was Charles Ponzi kind of hot? (laughs) Well, these are the questions. This is the content that people are missing out on if they don't follow us on social media. So uh, you you can find us on both of those at at what the heck pod, BT dubs. So today, as I mentioned before, we're going to talk about urban legends. So the definition of an urban legend, um, well, urban urban legends are a genre of folklore, so not too dissimilar to what we were talking about last season, comprising of stories circulated as true, especially as having happened to a friend or a family member, and these stories are often with horrifying or humorous elements. (laughs) These legends can be... However you take it, these uh, stories often concern, uh, sorry, these legends can be entertainment, but often concern mysterious peril or troubling events, events such as disappearances and strange objects. (laughs) Strange objects, okay. (laughs) To many, a legend must be a story with characters and some sort of plot. Others lump widely dispersed misinformation into an urban legend category. For example... The erroneous belief that you will automatically pass all of your college courses in a, in a semester if your roommate kills himself is generally considered to be an urban legend. <laughs> oh my I hadn't heard of that one before. Yeah, can you call it an urban legend if it's something so bizarre? I've never heard that before ever in my life. It's obviously very, um, very American-driven, that one I would tend to say, but who knows? Um if that was a thing, there would be a lot more probably like murder in colleges. I would assume so. Well, maybe there is and you're just not hearing about it. Um, so I've, I've got like five or six here and we don't need to go into like super detail on a lot of them, but um, these are like some of the more popular urban legends mm-hmm. that um, the, the, some of these are the ones that you've definitely – have heard you know around the campfire or when you go away somewhere as a group of people and then you want to tell a scary story or something like that my favorite kind so the first one is called bloody mary 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know it. I know it. So, so Bloody Mary is a legend consisting of a ghost, phantom, or spirit conjured to reveal the future. She is said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. The Bloody Mary apparition may be benign or malevolent. Uh, it could be terrible or it could be fine. <laughs> yeah, depending on the historic variations of the legend. Uh, Bloody Mary appearances are most likely witnessed in group participation play. Historically, the ritual encouraged a young woman to walk up a flight of stairs backward, holding a candle and a hand mirror in a darkened house. As they gazed into the mirror, they were supposed to be able to catch a view of their future husband's face. Oh. There was, however, a chance that they would see a skull or the face of a grim reaper instead indicating that they were going to die before they would have a chance to marry. I never knew that. I thought it was just that you would say Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, and then she would appear behind you in a mirror. I didn't know it had to be a hand mirror, and I never heard that it was anything about your husband. Mm, This is what happens, I guess, with Chinese whispers with urban legends over the years. I suppose. And I suppose back in the old days everybody was looking for their husbands, but now high school girls aren't generally... Looking for husbands. I mean, I'm sure some of them are. Girls at church mm-hmm. are. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this this next, I probably should just get reading because I think it kind of says more that what we're aligned to. The ritual of today, Bloody Mary, allegedly appears to individuals or groups who ritualistic invoke her name in an act of, I'm going to butcher this word, catatromancy. Is that a wow. word? I've never heard the word before, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say you pronounced it perfectly. Yeah, awesome, like usual. Yeah. Uh, this is done by re- repeatedly chanting her name into a mirror placed in a dimly lit or candlelit room. In some traditions, the name must be repeated 13 times or a specific number of times. So that lines up. Bloody Mary, 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 Bloody Mary. That's a lot. I wasn't counting, so I hope that was 13. I counted it on my fingers. You have 13 fingers? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Bloody Mary uh, operational allegedly appears as a corpse, witch, or ghost that can be friendly or evil <laughs> and is sometimes seen covered in blood. So it, she, Bloody Mary could be a woman, a ghost. Uh, what was the other thing you just said? Um, a woman, ghost, um, a phantom, a spirit. So it could be anything and she could be nice or mean. <laughs> I, I wonder what determines her mood for the day. <laughs> right, okay. Maybe it's the amount of times you say Bloody Mary. Maybe, yeah, okay. Um... The law surrounding the ritual states that the participants may endure the appar- apparition screaming at them, cursing them, strangling them, stealing their soul, drinking their blood, scratching their eyes out, or taking them out to dinner. I made up the last one. <laughs> Giving them 20 bucks. Uh, so that's Bloody Mary. We've obviously heard that one before, but it's interesting the way this has been written. Um, the next one I had, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but... They talk about it on The Simpsons a little bit, I'm pretty sure. I'm not a massive Simpsons head, so I could be talking out of my ass here. But um, have you heard of The Curse of the Bambino? 
No. No. So oh, I'm surprised you haven't heard of this, Beck, because you're such a massive sports fan. Um, <laughs> it must have somehow slipped through the cracks. Obviously, that must be what it was, because I normally know everything about sports. So must just be one of those things I missed. Again, because like urban legend is a bit of a, I don't want to say vague, but it's a very, uh, there's a large pool of what you could classify as an urban legend. I don't know if I would classify this one as an urban legend, but it's, I guess, the way things have happened with this. It's the way people have just determined the sequence of events in a sense. So the curse of the Bambino was a super superstitious sports curse involving, sorry, evolving from the failure of the Boston Red Sox in the baseball in America, mm. um, their failure to win the World Series in an 86-year period from 1918 to 2004. That's so, a curse or are they just a bad sports team? Well, this is the kind of, it's, I think it's Bostonian people's um, excuse for their team being crap for so long. Are we going to get um, angry emails from Bostonians now? Uh, they're very passionate about their sport, especially baseball, so potentially. Uh-oh. Um, I actually have some family in Boston, apparently. There's really? extension of Kicklesses in the Boston area. Let's go to Boston. When we do yeah. our road trip to go um, meet Bigfoot, we can drop in on Boston and, and just go and meet the Boston Kicklesses. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that'll be 2023, maybe, 2024 now. Yeah, look, maybe, 2030, we'll see. Uh, the misfortune of this curse, I just put in um, quotations, curse, uh, began after the Boston Red Sox sold star player Babe Ruth. You've probably heard of Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, whose nickname was the Bambino. Um, oh, they Babe sold... Sorry, Babe Ruth wasn't his nickname? No, Babe Ruth was his real name. I always assumed that Babe was his nickname. Um, not that I know of, but oh my. you're the sports nut, so you should be telling me. <laughs> you're, yeah, sorry, you're so right. Um, so they sold him for 125 grand, which was a lot of money at the time, to the New York Yankees after the 1919 season. So Babe Ruth is like one of the most well-known, you know, best ever players to play. Uh, uh, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but I just Googled it and his name was George. Oh, oh my George. god, is that why you named your dog George? That's exactly right, Jono. We named our dog George because I love baseball so much and it was in honour of George Herman, in quotes, Babe Ruth. There you go. Okay. Sorry, um, yeah. I would have assumed Babe was a nickname. So Ooh. he had a nickname on a nickname. But then it says here, like his Wikipedia entry, George Herman, Babe Ruth, and then it's like nicknames, Babe. Bam, Jack Dunn's baby, Jidge, Sultan of Swat, their behemoth of bust, the big bam. Um, what else? You said the Sultan of Squat? No, the the Sultan of Swat. Oh, Swat. The behemoth of bust, the big fellow, the caliph of clout, the great Bambino, there you go, the Bambino and the Sultan of Swat. Yeah, we already had that one on Wikipedia. But, yeah, okay, sorry, continue. What a list of nicknames, though. <laughs> right, and especially if your name is already a nickname. Like, the name everyone knows you as is just Babe is already a nickname, and then you have a further, like, 50 nicknames. <laughs> My friends call me, and then you have to list them all out. <laughs> right. Sorry, um, continue with the story now. 
So in 19, they sold him to the New York Yankees. Before that point, the Boston Red Sox had been one of the most successful professional baseball franchises, winning the first World Series and amassing five of the first 15, like since the league formed. So they were, they were pretty successful before they sold him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they sold him and didn't win a title for nearly a century. Is that because maybe Babe Ruth was their only good player? Potentially. Um, so it's a became the curse became like a focal point in like Boston culture and obviously the rivalry between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, obviously, so I know well. Love no one loved that rivalry. The curse obviously was lifted in two thousand and four when they came back from a, a, a zero three deficit. Like so, they lost three games to the Yankees in um, in like the playoffs. And they came back from three games down and then won that and then they won the World Series against St. Louis. So, I mean, good for them. Did they get another Babe Ruth? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, then obviously the curse is real. The curse has been lifted. Did they say what lifted the curse? No, they just got better. So you're right. They were just shit for like 90 years. <laughs> Sorry to any fans out there. Please don't email us. Nobody likes the Boston Red Sox. Okay. Except for Boston Rob of Survivor. Wow. Boston Rob. I was going to say Boston Rob, please don't email us, but I would love it if Boston Rob emailed us. Yeah, imagine that. Boston Rob, please email us. <laughs> we would love to have you on the podcast. What an obscure reference. <laughs> but Boston Rob. I think that's an obscure reference. Everyone knows who Boston Rob is, don't they? Uh Maybe. I don't know. I would hope so. Hey. If you're, if you're hey. a heckhead and you don't know who Boston Rob is, go look stop, it up. Stop listening to us. We don't want you. We don't want you as a listener to this podcast. Oh, my God. What, the, what just happened? Sorry. <laughs> Someone was hacking in while you were. We got Zoom bombed. Um, all right. So that's the curse of the Bambino. The next one I got here, this is one you will have heard as well. It's called the killer in the back seat. I think I know it. Yeah. So this is an urban legend from uh, the United States and the UK. I don't know why it could be from both, but, um, and it was first noted by a folklorist, Carl Drake in 1968. Um, the legend involves a woman who is driving and being followed by a car or truck. The mysterious, um, car flashes their high beams and tailgates her and sometimes even rams the vehicle when she finally makes it home she realizes that the driver was trying to warn her that a man in brackets a murderer or escaped mental patient was hiding in her back seat so each time the man sat up to attack her the driver from behind had used their high beams to scare the killer causing him to duck back down right and so when she gets home does he kill her i think that's generally what happens doesn't so how did she realise all this and how did we know that she realised all this? So the origin of the story has been identified as uh, something in the 1960s. It's been speculated, including uh, it's just random people's names in here. But the legend may have been inspired by a vaguely similar case that took place in 1964 in America in which an escaped murderer hid in the backseat of a car and then to be shot by the car's owner. A police detective. <laughs> I mean, that's not really a similar story, is it? That is, a policeman got kind of semi-carjacked and he shot the guy. 
versus a woman had a secret murderer in her back back seat and somehow a truck driver saw it and tried to warn her. Like, that's two different stories. But then yeah. I think, hey. Kind of reminds me of this. I was going to tell a really bad story here, but there was, like, this episode of Case File, a better story in Australia of someone that, like, went and parked on the side of their road and, like, dense bushland somewhere and went to like go to the toilet or something and then got back in their car and there was someone in the back seat i can't remember the specific story i'm gonna need to know the name of that episode so i can go and listen to it again i've listened to every episode of case file it was a really good one it was from ages ago there's my shit story for today (laughs) um so that's the killer in the back seat uh, another one here, which I, I think is pretty cool, and it's probably because I'm more of like a, a, a weird alien nut, but The Men in Black. Wait, so Men in Black, the movie, is actually an urban legend? It's an urban legend. Interesting. I mean. I was waiting I for you to hear. Here comes Men in Black. Da, 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 da. So in popular culture and UFO conspiracy theories, the men in black, the MRB, are supposed men dressed in black suits who claim to be quasi-government agents who harass and threaten or assassinate UFO witnesses to keep them quiet about what they've seen. See, I believe that. I don't. Is that really, you know, an urban legend or is that true? Um, men in black figure... Prominently in ufology, UFOlogy, or UFO folklore in the 1950s and 60s, UFO, um, UF, UFOlogists, that's a bit of a word to say, uh, adopted, a, cons- <laughs> adopted a conspiratorial mindset and began to fear that they would be subject to organised intimidation in retaliation for discovering the truth of UFOs. Again, I'm not seeing any issue. I believe it. In 1947, Harold Dahl, I wonder if he's related to Harold, um, claimed to have been warned to not not talk about UFO sightings on Maury Island. Where is Maury Island? How does it spell? Like Maury Povich? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's got his own island. In the mid-1950s, um, a guy by the name of Albert K. Bender <laughs> claimed that he was visited by men in dark suits who threatened to warn him to not continue continue investigating UFOs. I mean, I don't want to harp on it, but again, I buy that. This definitely could be a, a subdivision of the government that's, like, off the books. Yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised at all. So this is, is this more of a conspiracy theory, do you think? I mean, I guess. I'm going to harp back to my old mate Bob Lazar that I talked about a few eps ago. Is he the, he the guy who uh, reckons he knows what's at uh, Area Roswell. 51? Roswell. Yeah, is Roswell yeah. Is Roswell two different things? Uh, I think they technically are, but they're both in... Nevada. Oh, no, Roswell's New Mexico. Yeah, they're two completely different things. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Men in Black, it's obviously spawned, you know, three movies and they've done comic books and all kinds of stuff. I think it's more than three movies. They did that one with Chris Hemsworth as well. Oh, yeah, they did too. And, like, 
Her name, Tessa Thompson. Yeah. No, um, I didn't see. So, no, I haven't seen that one. Uh, so the next one I've got here are sewer alligators. Again, is that a conspiracy theory or are they just real? Well, I think sorry, I'm you first, Jono. Sorry. <laughs> so sewer alligator stories date back to the 1920s and 1930s. In most instances, they are part of contemporary legend. They are based upon reports of an alligator sighting in rather in a rather unorthodox location, in particular New York City. The New York Times reports the city rescues several alligators per year, some directly from homes where they're kept as illegal pets, so that's not a sewer, um, well, and some from outside. There are some houses, some apartments in New York City that could probably be described as sewers. Um, through... Uh, so they're saying that they reckon some in the sewers are escapees or former pets that people are keeping. Mm. Um, but especially in New York, they say that they would only survive for a short time because um, longer-term survival is not possible due to low temperatures and and the bacteria and human feces. Oh. So, oh, Okay. So in the 1959 book uh, titled The World Beneath the City, which sounds like a cool book actually, um, written by a guy called Robert Daly, um, mm. he says it is a history of the problems involved involved in the development of the network of utilities beneath Manhattan Island because you know how there's like a, a city beneath Manhattan. They like build, you know that? Really? No. Yeah, that, well. Well, one, if you watch Futurama, there's an old city <laughs> under New York that I think they kind of like built the city on another city type of deal. Not like a full city, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of structures and um, stuff underneath Manhattan. That something yeah. definitely to look into. Maybe I'll do my next episode on the city underneath the city. Yeah. I could be completely talking shit, but I'm pretty sure there is stuff under there. <laughs> that could be the, um, like, that could be the, the catchphrase of this podcast. I could be talking shit, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. A few technical difficulties, just picking up where we were before. So Beck, in uh, the 1959 book entitled The World Beneath the City, um, which was written by a guy called Robert Daly, um, it went through the history of problems involved in the development of the network of utilities beneath Manhattan Island in New York. Sounds like a so, <laughs> yeah. um, so in the midst of the stories of all the engineering problems, um, there is a chapter entitled Alligators in the Sewers, which is pretty relevant for what we're talking about. Um, it's based on the uh, author's interviews with a guy called Teddy May, who uh, had been the commissioner of the sewers in New York for about 30 years. King of the sewers. King of the sewers. That's you believe cool the title. king of the sewers, though? I mean, when he's talking about alligators in the sewers, if you spend your whole life working in the sewers and then you start saying, oh, there's alligators down there, would you think that he was talking about literal alligators or, like, metaphorical alligators? And you'd be like, poor Teddy. Is that a rough lie? <laughs> 
He's talking about what his would, demons, you know? What would a metaphorical alligator be? I don't know. Like when you say, oh, I've got some demons, you know, I've got demons in me. We've all got, we've all got our demons. But Teddy's like, we've all got our alligators in the sewer, you know? I wonder if you are the commissioner of sewers, how often you actually are going down into the sewers as well. Well, I mean, I would think that you're down there all day, every day. Your, your office your office is the sewers. Yeah, that's exactly right. When you say your job's shit, it literally is. <laughs> um, um, so according to Teddy May, sewer inspectors first reported seeing alligators in 1935, but neither May nor anybody else believed them. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead May set men to watch the sewer... Except men to watch the sewer walkers to find out how they were obtaining whiskey down the pipes. Yeah, so, uh, I, I think, think that's what I would do. Straight away, I just thought they're all on the piss. Well, that's yeah, probably that's more reasonable than that there is a lot of alligators in the sewers of New York City. Is New York near where alligators live? Are there alligators in the Hudson River? I doubt it, given probably the temperature of the Hudson. So it's very cold. Where, and... where are these alligators coming from then? I guess, as I explained to you a bit earlier, um, they thought a lot of people were keeping them as pets. And like, that, seems like, that seems like a lot. Like in 1935. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people must have had alligators as pets for it to be a chapter in a book that there was alligators in the sewer. Again, I don't know how big this book is. So. <laughs> More of a leaflet. Yeah. Um, it's just a newspaper article. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so there's also been some contemporary accounts, so not just, you know, drunken people under the sewers. Um, in Paris, France, a Nile crocodile was captured by firefighters in the sewers on the Pointe-Neuf Bridge. <laughs> I can probably butcher that completely. Oh, you're nailing it, you're nailing it. In 1984, they gave... The, 1984? So, so, like, yeah. recently? So they gave the name the crocker name they called it Eleanor and it currently lives at an aquarium in I'm gonna say it's called Vans or Venice how did how did it get there did they specify um I I don't have the answer right now we might have to do a deep dive on that one what's her name Eleanor 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 the croc the French alligator um in 2010, a two-foot baby alligator was caught in the uh, sewers in New York, in Queens. What? Again, New York? That would mm. definitely have to be pet, right? Maybe it's Teddy May coming back to plant alligators in the sewers, <laughs> so he's not crazy. Maybe Teddy May uh, reincarnated as an alligator. Um, so, but they said it's unlikely that a full adult would survive in the New York um sewers due to the cold temperatures um and then this one's pretty common we see it on the news every now and then but alligators have been sighted in the drains and sewers of florida oh yeah that's just that's an everyday occurrence there isn't it yeah as recently as 2017 uh this is due to a lot of the sewers having outlets backing into swamps so when there are storms which is pretty frequent from what i gather in florida um alligators will shelter in the drains to um Obviously, keep safe, and they also hunt for rats. Oh, great, 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 great! Is the um is the state emblem of Florida an alligator? No, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's you know how like when you type in that Florida man thing into Google and it comes up with like the crazy story. But, but for everyone, 
everyone out there, just type in like your birthday or you type in like Florida man and your birthday and it'll tell you some like whack as story of someone doing something in Florida on that day. Maybe the um, state emblem of Florida is like a sunburnt shirtless man drinking a beer. With a pet alligator. Perhaps. That's a Florida, Florida man sounds like a curse, but after however many months we've done in lockdown here in Melbourne, Australia, not Melbourne, Florida, because I know there's a Melbourne in Florida, mm. I would love to be a drunk, sunburnt man drinking a margarita on a beach. Even if there's an alligator nearby, that would be preferable to what we're doing at the moment. So Sasha informed me now that we're doing these over Zoom, we can get guests on the show <laughs> easily. So... Um... An alligator? <laughs> I was thinking more of a Florida man. <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, we'll do a, we'll do a search. We'll do a, you know, let's just search for some people on the web and I'm sure we'll find someone that'll want to come on the show. To be a guest from Florida on this podcast, you're welcome. You'll get free Patreon for a month. (laughs) Um, so the last urban legend I wanted to chat to you about was, is one called Paul is dead. I know that sounds very vague, but when I talk about it, you get it. So Paul is Dead is an urban legend and or conspiracy theory alleging that Paul McCartney of the Beatles died on the 9th of November 1966 and was secretly replaced by a lookalike. I buy it. I'm on board with this. Well, remember I did that musical conspiracy theories episode? You know, this, I should have done this one. I mean, I guess he wasn't. He wasn't a missing person. But, I mean, maybe he is a missing person. What do they think happened? He just wasn't died? A, wasn't a bassist, you mean? <laughs> yeah, but, like... What, so, the rumour... The rumour... Be, uh, sorry. The rumour began circulating around 1967. Um, they got more prominent in 1969. Proponents base a theory on perceived clues found in Beatles songs and album covers. So, according to the theory, McCartney died in a car crash and... Uh, the band decided to spare the public from the grief of him dying. So the surviving Beatles were... As if the most, one of the most famous people in the entire world died in a car crash and no one knew about it. <laughs> hey, you're already flip-flopping on your agreements in this. Right, okay, I'm sorry. I need to reconsider. I need to rededicate myself to the conspiracy theory. Continue. You need to hear all the facts first. I do. So um, they replaced him with a McCartney lookalike, apparently. Um, and this McCartney lookalike was identified by fans as by the name of William Campbell or Billy Shears. So get that into the Google machine, obviously, and start. Billy Shears or William Campbell? Why is his surname changing? Not sure. Um, <laughs> Don't know. So afterward, after he apparently died, the band left messages in their music album artwork to communicate the truth to their fans and surely why, why just would you told all this effort to cover up something like this just to then be like message to our fans secret message to the real fans it's funny because didn't the Beatles break up in like mid 70s anyway so like it wasn't that long after this supposedly happening I thought they only existed in the 60s I don't I don't know how I don't know anything about them. Well, should make the quiz very interesting then. Um, <laughs> so apparently in the 1968 song Glass Onion, which John Lennon sings, he, he said the lyrics, here's another clue for you all, the walrus is Paul. 
apparently that was a, a gimme. Um, and is there a double meaning behind the word walrus? Is that like a name that police give to like John Doe's or cover-ups um, or something? Must. Don't want to speak out of school here. We're not. We're, we're not. We're not about that on this pod. Um, and then the cover photo of uh, the album Abbey Road. Apparently, McCartney is shown barefoot and walking out of step with his bandmates, which is like to speculate that he wasn't there when they took the shot. I guess. Again, why would they drop clues after going to so much effort to cover it up? Yeah. So, um... Sorry, no, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. I believe it. Sorry. Rumours kind of died down during the 70s. And obviously, then the band broke up in the mid-70s. And um, Paul McCartney's parried. Uh, he's, he, he's, he's like, nah, this isn't a thing. So, but who do you believe? Who do you believe? That's a that's a ongoing question in my life, in your life, in everyone's lives. Who do you believe? Definitely I, us. When you're, talking, when you're talking about facts about everything, anything, believe us. But outside of us, I don't know. I don't know who you believe. Ringo Starr. Well, maybe. Is he any other surviving Beatles? So surely he would know. Come on the pod, Ringo, and then we'll consider whether or not you're worth believing. Um, so they're all the main ones I wanted to chat to you about. I just wanted to throw a few honourable mentions as well. So uh, Slender Man was a pretty popular one when yeah. I was researching stuff. Uh, Have you ever started... watched about those young girls who killed their friend because of Slender Man? No, I, I, I haven't. I'm probably keen to. <laughs> no, I, uh, actually, I haven't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, that one was about, like, this scary looking thin guy that was drawn as like an internet hoax and they developed this whole story about it and then um there ended up being a couple like 12 year old girls or even younger than that they were really young one like tried to murder another girl or did or i can't remember if she died or not maybe she was just like very badly injured but they like stabbed her and killed her because they said slender man told them that they had to or something then it turned out they were extremely mentally ill yeah, Taylor and I were actually watching a Law and Order SVU episode um, a few weeks ago, and they did a parody of it as well. Not a parody, but I don't, here's a question: We should we could do a whole episode on Law and Order SVU, but how do they get away with that? You know, when they do these episodes that are very obviously about something, and then they're like, mm. "This is depicting fictional. Any you know, any anything resembling the truth is a coincidence." It's like the one they did that was like very obviously about Chris Brown and Rihanna, and they were like, "Oh, this isn't about anything," and everyone was like. This is extremely obviously about something. I think as long as I don't actually like mention the thing by specific name, yeah. We've been watching we watch a lot of lot of SVU. And there's been a lot of episodes lately that are very on topic to like what's happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And these were done like four or five years ago, so they were ahead of their time. They are ahead of their time. I suppose Or, the- or it's just been an issue for a long time. <laughs> Special victims are an ongoing issue in America. Yeah. Um, and then the other honourable mention I just wanted to mention, I just came across a story and it's just titled Hippo Eats Dwarf. Oh. It's an urban legend of a hippo apparently eating a dwarf at a circus fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... It's probably, probably part of the show. It doesn't seem like that far-fetched that a circus team member, I assume, could get uh, injured by an animal that they are keeping hostage in their cruel circus. 
was it in the was it, was it in the greatest showman back in the greatest showman here's a true fact about the greatest showman don't know if i've covered this before on any other episode that i've talked about the greatest showman which i think is every episode that we've done in the greatest showman they have a character called tom thumb which is just uh, a person like a little person isn't but it based like, on the nursery rhyme yeah but like basically the whole premise of the greatest show is that it's like the greatest show is like a freak show and they just put all yeah. these people with like a bearded lady and like, I don't know. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. And they're like, wow, look at these freaks. And he made it, he made money off them and didn't treat them very well. And one of those people was just a little person. He was like, look at this freak, which is like extremely offensive. But I mean, I guess it was like the 1800s or whatever. Anyway, in the movie, they cast a person who in real life is a little person but he wasn't quite little enough compared to Hugh Jackman. So they made him do the whole movie on his knees. (laughs) And like, you can tell they didn't do a very good job. It's like in Moulin Rouge, the guy that that did the whole movie on his knees. It looks almost identical to that. You can tell that he's just got like shoes strapped to his knees. And I read an interview with him and he was like, yeah, it was really disappointing because I'd already learned all the choreography for all of the dance numbers and all the song numbers. But because I then had to do the rest of the movie on my knees, I couldn't participate in any of the dance numbers because I couldn't do it on my knees. I was like, what on earth? And they CGI'd the absolute shit out of his face. I don't know why. Nothing wrong with this guy's face in real life. So I don't know why they CGI'd him so hard. CGI'd the shit out of his face but didn't bother to CGI his legs so it looked more natural. Like, you can tell he's on his knees the whole movie. It is just the most bafflingly produced film I have ever seen in my life. But, as always, soundtrack, wall-to-wall bangers. It's like they put all the budget in the soundtrack and they're like, ah, he can just be on his knees, this guy. At this point, I feel like we just need to have a Greatest Showman corner. Every episode, we just dedicate five minutes to me to talk about the Greatest Showman. Maybe I shouldn't watch it and then... No, you know what, I should watch it. Week by week, uh, I'll just give you more information about The Greatest Showman. We can have, I'll give you, okay, first five minutes of the movie, this is what happens. And then for our first ever live show, we can watch Greatest Showman. Piece the whole movie together, so I don't need to watch it. Um, Speaking of movies, that's a really good segue. Um, (laughs) There's also a Hollywood film called Urban Legend, which came out in 1998. That was a good segue. Yeah, and it's got uh, Jared Leto in it. Hey. And Tara Reid from American Pie. I know Jared Leto was in that movie, actually. Uh, it made $72 million, which is pretty decent for a, what I'm yeah. guessing is a pretty average film. Uh, it, the plot focuses on a series of murders on the campus of a New England university, all of which, to be, uh, all of which appear to be modelled after popular urban legends. I, I reckon I'd probably give it a go. Yeah, this movie sounds 100% up my alley. I love crappy horror movies, so I don't know why yeah. I haven't I'm actually going to write a note in my phone to watch it. Well, you don't have to watch one because you can watch the sequel or there's a third movie as well. I wonder if or there's streaming anywhere. There's a reboot in the works, so... Oh, I keep forgetting that just because we're on Zoom now, like, you can see me doing stuff, but we're still creating a podcast, not a video. So for the listeners at home, I just did a shocked face and shook my head and looked excited. Um, but you can't see that because this is a podcast. So I'm sure Sasha took a screen grab of it. Thank you, Sasha. Uh, so that's Urban Legends, Beck. Some interesting ones in there. Some uh, some a bit I on the fence. I love you telling me about the Urban Legends. 
it's it's great app. It's so fresh. Spring 2004. Your non-stop hit music mix with hits from the Black Eyed Peas, Shannon Noel, Outkast, Hooper Stank, Anastasia, Pauline, Usher, and more. You'll have no reason to leave isolation when you can party all day and all night long in your living room. So get into your local sanity store today to pick up a copy. So uh, that wraps up today's epic. What a so shame. Thanks, thanks for listening. <laughs> Appreciate it. As always, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can uh, at What The Heck Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, make sure you, you leave a rating or a review and subscribe, of course, Please. on your preferred podcast platform. Please leave us a nice review. Today, someone tweeted at me out of nowhere, not sure why, no idea who it was. It was someone called Toastman Jimmy. And it wasn't in a reply to any of my tweets. It was just a direct at, at B-V-R-C-O-E. That's my handle. Uh, Lol, f*** you, you stupid bitch. (laughs) And I go to his Twitter account and he's, all he's ever done is tweeted at me, Lol, f*** you, you stupid bitch. And then tweeted at someone called Reed Godens, who is a writer for like TV shows uh, and tweeted at Reed Godens is a penis man. (laughs) that's classic and he only follows someone called big man mr big mac chez justin g21400176 so really not sure what's Uh, going on there if you're listening toastman jimmy please don't leave that kind of slander on our page can we make this a recurring segment you just read abuse that people send you on twitter Genuinely, that's some of the only abuse I've ever got. Lol, f*** you, you stupid bitch. It's such <laughs> abuse. And it's just uh, me and one other person. <laughs> really bizarre. Well, don't engage. You know, that's how the trolls get you when you engage. You're right. You're right. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry about some of the technical difficulties. We'll figure it out. We've only got another three weeks of ISO minimum. So I'm sure minimum. it'll we'll get better. Up. It'll get better. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. And, uh, Beck, as we always say to the guys, make sure you uh, go for a walk and... Uh, wash your whites with your whites and your, your darks with your darks. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week. Bye! I said that because I was looking at laundry. I hope no one misconstrues it as some kind of racial comment. You, you stupid bitch! <laughs>